Pints and Fights Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. It's the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, oh yeah! Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. Those are actual Macho Man lyrics. Look them up. <laughs> if you're a new listener, it's probably because you're joining us for the Max Fun Block Party. You can learn more about that and all the great events happening at MaximumFun.org slash Block Party. As part of our love and celebration of all things wrestling, we always start out with wrestling nicknames. And after 250 episodes, we still haven't run dry. So if you how what the lub is cooking, then I'm how lubbing, and even if you don't, that's who I am. And I'm joined today by my fellow members of the nation of conversation. Oh, it's true. It's Dan True. Danielle Radford. Very, very nicely done. Also, I'm surprised that you didn't uh, quote from um, Macho Man's rap album, which is basically just him shading Hulk Hogan for like 90 minutes. Well, this is the precursor to that. This is on, I think, the WrestleMania album in 1993 or 94. Nice. Yeah, that's it's a it's some album. It is some album. But also, <laughs> we have the, the a tripod needs three legs. So let me introduce you to. Let's get ready to calc it, Lindy Kel, Li- Lindsay Kelk, Lindy, Lindy, Lindy Hop, Lindy's che- cheesecake, Lindy, Lindsay Kelk. Yes, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever called me. Third leg of a tripod. Thanks. And Lindy. I'll take Lindy. I'll answer to Lindy. I've answered to so much work. You know, I was, so, uh, I was having a conversation fun. recently about about leading singers. We were talking about rap groups, and I was like, the majority of rap groups are tripods. Beastie Boys are a tripod. Tribe Called Quest is a tripod. There's no, like, certainly Q-Tip's the, the, the best known, but you're Fife Dog, and, like, you can't, there's no, so I was thinking, like, tripod is a good way to describe something where you need all three people. No one person is more important than the other two. It's also a great way to describe a short guy that hangs dong. That's correct. <laughs> Welcome to Tights and Fights. Yeah. Constantly. I guess it discusses wrestling and dongs with hilarity and sincerity. Right. I, I had to do it. Look, I, people need to know what the podcast is. We were all thinking it. You just said it. It's, Listen, it's fine. Sorry, Julian. Always, if you always touch the water and you don't miss the Royal Rumble, this is the show for you. This is the first ever Max Fun Block Party. This is the time where we invite our listeners to check out the other shows on the Max Fun Network that maybe they haven't had a chance to listen to yet. And other shows are doing the same for us. So do you generally, or in the before times at least, did you plan parties around specific wrestling events? Like how how did you like to watch a a pay-per-view or now a network exclusive? Oh, I used to have like, we had a whole group of wrestle friends before, you know, all of the things where for every pay-per-view, we would have like a party and we would go over to our friend's house and like he would make something and we would all potluck it. So we would all bring stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Garrett. And so we would bring like, he would make like, uh, you know, usually something very delicious. And then we would all bring like sides or like snacks or whatever. And we really like did it up these days because I don't have the cable. So sometimes I'm able to catch AEW and sometimes I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I go over to a friend of mine, uh, my friend John's house, and we do a thing where we, this is going to sound so hipstery, but I don't even care. We drink this um, Portuguese 
sparkling wine, and we eat tinned fish on baguettes. Nice. I don't know. I, we just got really into tinned fish and trying like different kinds. So we watch AEW and we eat tinned fish and like different does, kinds and we like rate it while we're watching it. It's like a whole thing. Does your friend John live in a vintage shop and that's where you go and hang out and you try on like, oh, look at this. Look at this 1930s bowling shirt. I think I'm gonna... Is he a mouse that wears a waistcoat? That's my no, I'm the mouse. I... I'm the mouse that wears the waistcoat. Okay. Sure. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. I should have known that. I'm looking at you right now. Like, how could I not know? That's adorable. What... Um, I really feel like I, I, I haven't really done that in my adult life. I, like many of our listeners, I'm sure didn't have many adult wrestle friends um, until I met you guys. Um, I liked wrestling as a little kid. And then as I got older, it sort of disappeared. And yeah, through my 20s, when I came back to wrestling in the mid 2000s, when I was sort of 24, 25, I didn't know anyone else who liked wrestling. Mm -hmm. So it was very much an undercover of darkness uh, events held in the house when anywhere else was out. Um, and I did still watch all the pay-per-views, but I watched them alone, um, which is just as fun and just as valid. And that's when I was pleased for social media because I could connect with other wrestle friends. Um, and then uh, I slowly, when I came out with my wrestle fandom, I would get supportive friends to come with me uh, to different pay-per-views when wrestling came to town or, or, or events came locally. Uh, and one by one, all my friends were like, we've, we've done this once. We're not doing it again. And then I had to move. Uh, so I left New York, uh, moved to LA and met you guys. And now now we have wrestle hangs. But yeah, largely, I'd still mostly watch the main, the big events by myself mm-hmm. or just with my husband, who I've bullied into becoming a wrestling fan when he was not at all. Uh, but I do like to go to wrestling. But when I watch it on TV... I'm kind of a hermit baby. I like to sit and shout at it by myself. It does get a little like when it's a party, you do wind up missing stuff. And sometimes, I hate to say it, sometimes commentary is good and you want to listen to it. And I have successfully bullied almost all of my past partners into becoming wrestle friends. So I'm also, I, I like to sort of watch alone because, that, you know, when you're a kid, I was too young when wrestling became really popular to all get together to watch it. We just all would compare notes. And then... When I was a teenager, nobody else was really into it because we hadn't hit the hat- attitude era yet. We were at like the the real like low point of WWF. <laughs> and so I just watch it by myself. When I came out here, I, I one of my best friends, Jordan, I met him, discovered he was a wrestling fan. And then we would watch stuff together. Now, back then, neither of us could afford a pay-per-view. So we would use what they, ha- what they had, which was called Access, where you would go and see local sports bars or restaurants that were showing the pay-per-view. So we would go to Fourth and Santa Monica to the Hooters. Yes. I sorry. Yes. I used to be I used to be a Hooters girl. Like when I didn't have mm-hmm. cable at all and like there was no way to watch it in streaming. I'm so sorry to interrupt your story. It's beautiful. Um me and my boyfriend at the time uh and our friends, we would go to Hooters to the point where like they got to know us. And one of our Seattle Hooters girls wound up making it on America's next top model for a couple of episodes. Hey, how about that? Yeah, like a regular I girl. Yeah. Could not have told you any person who worked at the Hooters that I went to because I I was laser focused on what was on the television and ordering non breaded wings. And that was that was a life for a while. But now <laughs> I I love the fact I mean, I like the, the the subscription model that was introduced at the network and now is transferred to Peacock, even though it's loaded with technical issues. 
I like to be able to watch it on my own time. I like the the commentary. I think it creates it creates the entire story for me. And I found when I go to I do like being at live events, but the pay-per-views that I've gone to, I went to a Hell in the Cell a couple years ago with Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker and we went together to War Games. Yeah, that was fun. And those Field were trip. fun. It's fun to go and attend it, but I have to go back and watch it later to yes, really get a good handle on what's going on because I'm so used to it's made for television now. Yeah. Especially war games because like that was a really fun pay-per-view and we all had a really yeah. great time and it was like super cool and we got to like meet a bunch of people and like some we had mm-hmm. like a little fan hangout. We ate nachos, it was dope. But it was also like if one cage is hard to see, eight cages or however many cages is in war games is like impossible. <laughs> I think it's fourteen yeah. now. I think it's, it's fourteen, 14 cages. cages. The entire arena is caged hey. now. Uh, Try yeah. to see what's going on inside of a Punjabi prison. No, thank That's you. Almost nope. impossible. <laughs> shant. Yeah, shant, actually. Still have the chair. The it's offer. in Philadelphia. <laughs> also, I'm absolutely going to do a tangent for a second. The wings at Hooters used to be better, right? I think it's too much butter. The butter well, they used the butter used to make to... the sauce. But now they're too buttery, and I don't like breaded. I think it's good on its own. They if used well to made, do you don't need the, the spice inside the breading which is what mm-hmm. I prefer. And now yeah. they do it where like they coat it in the buffalo sauce and the buffalo sauce fucking sucks. Yeah, they don't So I guess we're not going to get a Hooters <laughs> sponsorship. <laughs> there goes the Hooters spawn. <laughs> but God damn buffalo it. Buffalo sauce is the easiest sauce to make. It's Frank's Red Hot and melted butter. Mm-hmm. That is literally all it is. And you can make a really yeah, good, and you can add whatever you want on top of that. If you want to add salt, you want to add a little paprika. It's like not, because w- once you get into the breaded wings, then you're really talking about fried chicken, which is its own beat. Like, I don't want to put sauce on fried chicken. Fried chicken is done well. I want to eat the fried chicken. I want the seasoning and the breading. And then give me the breaded chicken, and then I will eat that. And I'll be so happy. I love fried ch- I love it. I love it so much. I, I remember the first time I had good fried chicken, and, like, I think about it a lot. Once you have a dish of food that you like the first time and you fall in love with it, you are chasing that dragon for the rest of your life. That's how I feel about <laughs> Cheesecake Factory, man. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, now I just want Cheesecake Factory and fried chicken. Do they do fried chicken at Cheesecake Factory? Oh, yeah, they do. What don't they do? What a stupid question. What a stupid they do like question. a honey truffle, which is like, leave the truffle out. Just do the honey. Oh, truffle overrated. Overrated. Coming in with the hot takes on the yeah. So, yeah, the, look. The truffle is overrated. Sometimes we're talking about wrestling. Sometimes we're talking about how overrated truffle is. One time, uh, Jesse got really excited, Jesse Thorne, because he heard me yelling about mirepoix during an episode. Uh, uh-huh. Sometimes we're just going to go off on stuff. <laughs> That's right. This is welcome to it. It's a safe space. Now, we normally talk a lot about wrestling news and the quality of the wings at Hooters over time, which leads <laughs> us into the Cheesecake Factory and their the largest menu on God's green earth. It's a Bible. That I still went. Oh, man. Try to order anything from Cheesecake Factory on DoorDash and it will take you 10 minutes to find it. Because if you think that that menu is big, <laughs> imagine when you don't have that space and you're on a web page, you have to scroll. Okay. This is sliders. Nope. This is the. This is now. It's the meatless sliders. Now we're at the sliders with cheese. And section, then you realize that you've been in lunch the entire time, and it's past four. <laughs> That's right. You have a long wispy beard, and you're a skeleton <laughs> with cobwebs at all your joints. But <laughs> normally we talk a lot about the the week uh, in wrestling that was. But since it's a special week, since it is Max Fun Block Party, we're going to jump straight into the part of the show where we give one corner of the wrestling world some extra attention. This is our main event. Now, we always introduce this with a sound sting, and it originally sounded like this. 
what we found is that whenever there's a gaffe on the mic in wrestling, that it needs to be added to this. And so it has snowballed itself and will continue to grow. This is what it sounds like right now. It's so beautiful. With a tear in my eye. Glorious. That's the best. That's the best part. That's the best part. So good. (laughs) I mean, it's an avalanche at this point. We have no control over it. It's just run away from us. And it will continue to grow. It'll be the entire show soon. Have we ever asked the Nation of Conversation, that being the people listen to the show, for their suggestions of what we can add to that? Because I think we should. (gasps) We We really should. Yeah. Yeah. You know where to find us. These people. Yeah. Yeah. To welcome in new listeners of this show who might barely know anything about wrestling, we're going to have our first Wrestling 101 lesson. So, class, please get your notebooks out and put your gum under your desks for later. And make sure you take the right one when you reach under there. We are your professors. We're the Professor Tripod. (laughs) Three people. (laughs) One professor made of three people. Uh, So, I I think, Danielle, you have a great description of what wrestling is. For someone who never, because we've talked about like, it's a soap opera or it's whatever. But I think you have found found a description for it that fits it perfectly. Will you please share that with, with the class? Oh, is that the dumb one? It's the dumb one. Okay. So if you go to Universal Theme Park, there is a stage show, which is Waterworld, which is still amazing that they did that because Waterworld was not a movie that anyone cares about. But it is an amazing show. There's like fire and like acting and like huge stunts and like a plane at some point and nothing I'm telling you look I I don't care if I'm spoiling it it doesn't matter it will be amazing and surprising to you every time it is so good and so when my mom was coming into town to visit and we went to Universal and we watched this I'm watching her watch it with complete awe watching all of these people do these amazing stunts and watching the spectacle and she goes this is like one of the best things I've ever seen like this is live and this is happening right in front of me it's like watching a movie and and the stunts are amazing blah blah and I said to her this is what wrestling is and she goes oh okay now I get it because it is it's this amazing spectacle with these great stunts people are performing it live in front of these huge audiences that are super into it and much like how New York is often the fourth character in a movie um (laughs) the, the the audience itself is also like participating um in the same way that like not here but in the same way that people watch like football soccer football um in other countries where it's like it's very active you're an active participant not a passive participant that that's was the best time i ever had and i've been watching wrestling for a million years and my mom has never gotten it and watching that stage show my mom was finally like oh i get it 100 percent." you know when it comes to the audience participation i always think of children's theater because when you Mm -hmm. go to a children's Mm -hmm. theater show they are cueing you when to say things like where is that dog? And you want the children, because mm-hmm. the dog is right behind, like, he's behind yeah. you. He's over behind yeah. you. A lot of wrestling involves wrestlers cueing the audience, whether it's through their actions in the ring or when they're on the microphone cutting a promo of, like, this is where you boo. This is where you cheer. Yeah. I'm going to tell you not to chant this anymore, which really means I want you to chant it. Yeah. 
It's exactly like Panto in the UK. Mm-hmm. Like uh, every year we do Panto at Christmas and the audience goes knowing their lines. Like you know when you're supposed to shout, shout he's behind you. And like you know your lines. Like you are part of it. Um, and I think it's definitely that tradition runs through wrestling. Like you absolutely know, even if you've never been before, you just intuitively know what your role is in it. And you try and fight it. I would like to see you try because <laughs> I've seen people try. And the next thing you know, they're screaming at the the good guy in the ring, saying that the bad guy is about to hit you with a shoe. And they know it's fake. And they told me in the car all the way there that they weren't going to be into it, but they were into yeah, it. Yeah, it's like watching Peter Pan. Because that's what yeah, it there, does. It's, it's yeah, you know, exactly. like clap and, and, and do the twinkle things and then Peter Pan will come back to life or whatever. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Peter Pan. It's, it's Tinkerbell. It's Tinkerbell. <laughs> Tinkerbell. Applause is how fairies <laughs> are brought back to life. It's sure. sort of like panels yeah. for a fairy. Clap if you believe in fairies and professionals. Yes. A fairy hospital just sounds like this. <laughs> hurry, hurry, oh. I'm losing the heartbeat. It, it reminds me of in the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was clapping for our healthcare workers. Oh, oh yeah, banging yeah. their pots and pans. It didn't, it didn't work on that one. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, you... But, but Tinkerbell. You are, a, you are a professional writer. You're an author of many popular books. I really wondered where you were going with that. Well, no, I mean, you are, you are like someone who's, who's for a living for a very long time, told and created stories. And wrestling is all about stories. And the stories of wrestling, just as, as, in, as in many other genres, are reliant on tropes. Things that we recognize, yeah. things that are used over and over again in different ways. What would you say are, are a couple of, we can all discuss this, but I wanted to start with you. Some of some of the bigger tropes of wrestling that you would yes, encounter. Yes, there is a wonderful theory running around uh, on Twitter, I mean, all the time, but of recent years um, from a, a select group of wrestling fans slash romance fans that wrestling is romance novels because also romance novels travel, you know, it does a lot of the heavy lifting with tropes. Uh, and you can look into that if you would like to. I encourage you to do so. Uh, but yes, wrestling tropes are a real thing. And... Um, so a trope is a plot device that you can recognize. So in romance novels, it's like enemies to lovers or friends to lovers or there's just one bed or, you know, things just where the, the couple is just forced kiss. together. There's just one bed is the best. <laughs> We've only really done that in wrestling one time. Uh, and I'm not going to call it a full, a full success. <laughs> um, but, you know, we do enemies to lovers a bunch and we do uh, lovers to enemies a bunch. Uh, so these are the things you can spot coming in wrestling. So you, they will telegraph these storylines or you can sort of predict like a chess game too. You know, they'll put pieces into place. They will put a tag team together perhaps. So they'll have two guys that were separate and then they'll put them together and we see these this odd couple put together to learn to work together, hate each other at first, hate each other at first, come to respect each other, come to work together. And then ultimately, you know, at some point, one of them is going to turn on the other and we will have another huge cathartic kick as a fan when we get to see the thing we knew was coming. Even though you see it coming, it's super enjoyable because it is cathartic in a way and reassuring in a way. The same as a Marvel movie. like You know, you know they're going to save the day. The same as a Bond movie. You know he's going to save the day. These things are going to happen in a way that is predictable, but so enjoyable when it's done right. It's a criticism that is often leveled at genre movies and books that like it's predictable and it's like it's not predictable, it's reassuring. 
You know, there is a level of comfort in knowing that Bond will save the world. Yeah. Uh, there is a level of comfort in knowing that ultimately the good guy is gonna gonna try be triumphant in wrestling, and if he isn't triumphant, if the bad guy is triumphant, eventually he will become a good guy. Yeah. Um, that's the rules. It is what it is. All of these tropes, everything in wrestling is to build towards a match. Mm. So yes. whatever the setup is, you're heading towards a match at some point. So you also have the other one I like is the best friends where either because one of them wins a title or just because one of them gets more acclaim, that jealousy is sown. Yeah. And eventually the 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 lesser partner, as as they would see themselves, lashes out to prove themselves and then you get yeah. a, an invested feud. And maybe a more apt analogy than the one that I told, because Lindsay is obviously amazing and super wonderful and said everything perfect. It's like a musical where it's like, the emotions and the tension get so high in musicals that the only way that you can express how you're feeling is through song. And with them and in wrestling, the only way that you can express how you're feeling is through dance fighting. <laughs> it is basically West Side Story all the time. Kinda. Yeah. 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 What I also like about the theme park analogy, though, is, is it dispels the notion of fake like, you know, when you go to see the Waterworld stunt show fake, yeah. that it isn't a bunch of smokers attacking people who are living on on ramshackle floating communities, but you get invested <laughs> in it. And what if it was? And the, it is yeah, LA. The, the thrill, the thrill <laughs> of a stunt show is that there's risk when somebody does that high dive at the end of Waterworld yeah. or, or in a parts of the Caribbean stunt show. Like that is that is a real risk and is a real physic. They are putting their body on the line for entertainment, and that is what wrestlers yes, do absolutely. as well. Their job is to take yeah. care of one another, but accidents happen, and they are hitting each other hard but safely. That's why the 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 idea of fake. That's why a lot of wrestling fans will bristle when you say, yeah. "Well, it's just fake. Well, it's predetermined." Yes, but it's they can get hurt, and they do get hurt. Yeah. They are athletes, and yeah. and very yeah. Good ones. This is why it's a soap opera. For athletes, like, I mean, I, I do think the soap opera analogy also works great because when wrestling is great, it tells brilliant long-term stories that you need to pay attention to, but you could also just pop in and enjoy it one week and pop back out. There's always something to enjoy, but there's always more to it if you go in for the long-term payoff. But the idea that these people are not risking their livelihoods and their health every single week is insane. Mm -hmm. They put mm. their literal necks on the line, their necks, their backs, their arms, their legs. Like, I don't know if there are any wrestlers who haven't ever had an injury at some point. And they do it because they love it so much. And to me, that's what comes through the screen. That's why I love it, because you cannot be in this industry unless you are 100% invested and passionate in it. Like, There's no gain in becoming a wrestler there's no it's like you don't go into wrestling to get rich you know you go into wrestling mm. because you love it and you don't know what else to do because you love it so much you hear this story from wrestlers all the time they're like well i did it for a while wasn't working out so i left and then i had to come back because i just couldn't live without it and that to me is like how can i not be compelled to watch this thing when i know everyone involved in it loves it so much that they're prepared to risk their health and their future and they, they don't have health insurance they're not making a ton of money one percent of them is making a ton of money they do it because they love it so much and that makes me love it like most of them are not on the tv like especially right now like indie wrestling is amazing and there are so many great shows especially so many great 
shows featuring people of color and, you know, queer folks. And a lot of that stuff happens on the indies. And those, that's just like any indie band. They're packing up their merch at the end of the night. They're driving themselves from town to town. They're making, you know, enough to along with other jobs usually pay rent but like it's really about passion yeah before we take a break there's one more trope that i want to just jump in with that is a favorite of mine that i think is i don't think it's underused but i wouldn't mind seeing it used more which is absolute power corrupting absolutely where somebody mm. we we cheer somebody in their pursuit of a title and then mm-hmm. they get that title and the lengths to which they will go, we see, we see them slowly turn into into Gollum because they can't yep. lose the title. Mm-hmm. And CM Punk, after yes. he yep. after he won his title, who started to subtly cheat in order to win because the title keeping the title and having the title for a long time was more important than anything, is a very mm-hmm. good example of that. The one thousandth episode of Monday Night Raw ended the exact way every episode of Monday Night Raw should end with the focus and the attention and the spotlight on the WWE Champion. The best wrestler in the world. It's a very compelling storyline because it manipulates your emotions so completely because it really, you have to be so invested in the person and love them for it to work. So they Mm. have to get you to fall in love with someone and follow them blindly and be so completely supportive of them. And then they take that love. Wrestling is dark, man. They take that love (laughs) and they use it against you because when at the beginning, if this is done well, like with Punk, you're still on his side Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, uh, you know, he he did win and he was trot- downtrodden for so long and he does deserve it and fuck everyone else. And then eventually he turns on his fans and eventually he turns on everything and then you're just devastated and then you will boo the crap out of him forever. And then you're no longer going to see him wrestle and cheer him. You're going because you want to boo the fuck out of him, which is just as much money as cheering for him. Should we explain, like, the fact that we actually, like, like booing the heels and we like when they do a good job at being bad like you just it's dip. not <laughs> it's like, that's okay, it perfect because because of- we do like it, it's 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 performances yeah. and so we enjoy when someone becomes the bad guy we enjoy booing them as much as they enjoy being booed because they know they're doing a good job um but yeah it's just like all of the people you know uh, weirdly, who were very thirsty for Thanos. Because um, there was, there was a lot He's of a big, Thanos thick thirst. purple daddy. That's, oh, that's what it is. He is a it big, is what thick it purple is. daddy. It's, it's the panto of it all. Of yeah. we're cueing you yeah, and telling yeah. you what to do. So when you do it, super cathartic. That's a job well done. If you're a bad guy, your job yeah. is to have people have people boo you. I've told this story before, I know, but like, for the sake of new listeners, but I was at a wrestling event a few years back and we were given the chance to interview and, and talk to Stephanie McMahon, who is obviously the daughter of the owner and she is part of the company, but she's also an on-screen character and she's always a heel as an on-screen character. And I've always thought oh, it must be really hard to be so viscerally hated as she has been. And it was so enlightening talking to her because at the end of... Uh, our chat she had to leave and go do something else and she was like so I'm going to be on the show tonight you guys and remember I need you to boo me as loud as you can because she wants that she knows her role Mm -hmm. in it she knows she's a heel when I was born this place became mine it is all mine and I do own you I do own you get out 
walks out, everything about her person is begging you to boo her. She wants you to hate her. That is her success. Uh, and when a heel knows they are a heel and leans fully into it, it is a beautiful thing. And not only are they good at manipulating you into hating people you love, but they can take somebody that you hate and turn them into someone you love. And that's yep. what happened with Roman Reigns. I think people are booing him. Like People have been asking for this for a long, a long time. But The Rock, but who who is now transcended wrestling, when he was introduced, was supposed to be a good guy. He was the blue chipper. He was a third-generation star. And the crowd rejected him outright and hated him. And so when he went away and came back as a bad guy and blamed the audience, took something that actually happened and blamed the audience for it, and and became the leader of the nation of domination or a member of and then later the leader of he became the cool heel you wound up loving him because he was so good and you were getting to see mm-hmm. his personality flourish yeah i got three words die rocky die that's the gratitude i get from you pieces of crap for all my blood my sweat and my tears you know hey this isn't about the color of my skin. This is about respect. The way you're manipulated back and forth, even with one person, is is, yeah. is it's impressive. It's one of those fascinating elements of it to me, and I think uh, we're seeing it work. We're seeing it not work. So you can see a good example of where this isn't working right now on AEW with the Cody character. And this isn't me going in on Cody or going in <laughs> on AEW. They obviously have tried to position Cody as this ultra face yeah. as a face of the company and this pure like distillation of a great American. And I think to the point where we all thought he was actually becoming a heel, we thought it was, I mean, for months we kept saying like, this is his heel turn, this is his heel turn. No one mm-hmm. thinks they can get away with this kind of character in this day and age. My wife will give birth to a beautiful... <laughs> a beautiful white a beautiful black American princess who will have both identities, shun neither. But then we keep seeing him giving interviews, shoot interviews where it's like, it's really hard when I get booed. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm just trying to be what the people asked for. And it's like, oh, wait, no. And I think this is what happens when you try and push something onto the crowd that isn't what they want. Yep. And you do have to work with the crowd. And I'm really curious to see where they go with that because Cody, Cody is super smart uh, and that company seems to know where they're going with a bunch of those storylines. So I'm really curious to see where he goes uh, and if we get the heel turn that we so richly deserve. Absolutely. And, and just so, so since this is Wrestling 101, so a shoot interview or a shoot is when people are, it, it comes from the phrase like shooting from the hip. So it's people actually coming out of character and talking as themselves and doing an interview. Um, oftentimes people will talk about shoots um, in a way where it's like, oh, they said something like really naughty or like really weird, but it, it's basically just any kind of out of character conversation. Um, OOC, if you are that kind of nerd, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then a work is when something is- Yeah, it's in character. Yeah. yeah, it's in character. It's all... The know, illusion. Wrestling has a lot of carny talk. Yeah. The work is the illusion. And we have a bunch of these discussions. We have a bunch of these discussions every week. And we know that you love being a part of the conversation. Thankfully, we've got a whole bunch of people you can talk about these things with in our Facebook group. Plus, you can hear more of what we have to say on Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all of that are in our show notes. And when we come back, we've got even more to share in this special Wrestling 101 episode. The Block Party continues up next on Tights and Fights. 
I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland and I'm joined today by Danielle Radford and Lindsay Kelk. Let's keep this wrestling 101 lesson going. All right, class, open your books. Open your Cheesecake Factory menus to page 48. (laughs) Oh, all salads. That's right. We finally made it out of the wine list. Let's focus on some of the seminal moments and matches that people should see if they want to get into wrestling. These are just sort of uh, ones that you can get into no matter what. Is there a match you can think of that is a great introductory match for someone where they can come in and not really know. And I, the, the great thing about it, if it's a WWE match, is that their video packages are second to none. So they oh. can, in, in 60 seconds, fill you in on the entirety mm-hmm. of a story. And sometimes I wish they would just do that. Um, <laughs> they'll take six months of a story that I was not interested in and suddenly make it seem really interesting in like a minute. So smart. It's so wild. For me, I will always say this because I think it is one of the best matches ever. I will always say Sasha Bailey Brooklyn. Because even for me, like I love watching my fights and my graps, but sometimes, like, hmm, how do I put this? Sometimes it is just a bunch of people doing spots. Spots is like the term for like, hmm, what's a good way to it's describe like just spots? Cool moves. Like just a cool, bunch of moves. cool moves. And there's no storytelling in it. It's just like I'm going to do something cool. Then you're going to do something cool. Then we're going to do something cool. And those are super amazing and compelling. And sometimes you watch those and you're like, I can't believe that y'all can do that with your body at the same time. That is wild. And then sometimes you get a combination of a bunch of cool moves and really good storytelling with your bodies. And by that, I mean like doing things where it's like, I'm going to injure you in this way. And then we're going to play off that for the rest of the match. And now you have to compensate for that. And I think that storytelling in the ring is way harder than doing a bunch of cool moves in a bunch of spots. And I think that Sasha Bailey Brooklyn did such a great job of not just telling the story that they've been telling out of the ring, but telling the story in the ring. And so that will always be one that I recommend to everybody, especially if you're one of those people who's like, I remember wrestling in the 2000s. I remember when it used to be two women fighting in pudding or like, you know, someone getting their tits out or like all this other stuff. And it's like, hey, first of all, if you want to get your tits out, get your tits out. That has nothing to do with me. But also it's nice when you have something more than that. And so this was one of those matches where everyone really, if you hadn't been paying attention to how good women can be before this, you had to pay attention after. That is a really good one. I have two. One I definitely feel like I can share. Well, no, I don't. 
Here's the problem. <laughs> it's very hard to, in the history of wrestling, find matches that do not include problematic people. Yeah. So the first match I was thinking of was Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Every, I mean, everything in wrestling now has to be taken with a context. I think that is a fair statement to make at this point. Mm. If you're listening to us for the first time, context is king. Uh, people are trash. Yeah. But we find that out later. Well, the other one... The other one, it's not what I'm going to recommend. The other one was the triple threat match at WrestleMania 2000 between Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, and Chris Benoit because the video package for it is incredible. And it's also three of the best wrestlers in history in a match together. But the two I will give you that are, one is is CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank in 2011. The storyline at the time being that, that CM Punk had been wandering off script and had started to give shoot interviews. He gave a famous pipe bomb interview, as it's called, um, because the mic in his hand was a was a pipe bomb waiting to go off. I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this, because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I think it's important that you mentioned that the yeah. bomb was so effective that actual sports reporters thought it was real. Yes, it was a watershed moment in in wrestling history. John Cena, who who more and more people know because he is starting to like The Rock and rightfully so yeah. transcend uh, transcend professional right wrestling. He is he's on he every is, other commercial on my television. So yeah. <laughs> that means that people believe other people know who he is. He's so good in the movie Suicide Squad that oh I am God. one of the things I am most looking forward to in January is the Peacemaker series that's coming yeah. out. Yep. But same. at the time, he was he was the unbeatable good guy, the hero to children everywhere, and and a very divisive figure in the wrestling community. So CM Punk in that match was threatening to win the world championship from him and then leave because his contract was up. So that is worth watching. Another John Cena match that I think is worth watching is his match against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, the infamous Suplex City match, where where you learn a lot about Brock Lesnar's character. And that match mm. catapulted the next five years of his character development. Mm. It wasn't even close. My God. Lesnar has conquered John Cena. Lesnar destroyed a 15-time world champion. He destroyed the streak. This man, Brock Lesnar, is unstoppable. That was the first event I ever took Jeff to. Was that oh, Summer's Lab? No way. Wow. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, if you I'm really curious to see how it plays with someone who's never seen it with commentary, because in person, watching it with someone who's never seen wrestling before. Jeff was like, why is that big guy just throwing that other big guy around and now it's over? And that was like, without the commentary, it really does show the power of commentary because on commentary, it built it into such a, it was such a momentous moment because you're like, oh my God, you have John Cena, you have Brock Lesnar. These are like giant superpowers. Mm-hmm. Who is even going to be able to touch each other on this? And then Brock Lesnar just ragdolled him for like 10 minutes and it was over John- and it was huge to people John who Cena knew what was happening. was everyone's favorite good boy. John Cena was unstoppable and he he's, was big match John. he's big match he's John. big he match john he's big match john he day. always he always wins like he was like the major face of the company forever so to watch him get dog walked for <laughs> yeah. like five minutes was wild because that never happens it, it would be like if the rock came back and got dog walked 
for five minutes. I have one more match. Gimme. When I was a child, the <laughs> first pay-per-view that I ever got to see in person was at the Philadelphia Spectrum in 1987. It was a closed circuit broadcast of WrestleMania 3. Wait, are you from Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God, you know what? Really? People who listen to, people. to the podcast, they might find out. I leave subtle hints <laughs> as to where I'm from. I but mean, I, even I, our, I, listeners, our, our regular listeners wouldn't know that, Hal. Please tell us more. <laughs> Do you have sports teams? Oh, yes. We have four of them. They're all oh, wonderful. Philly Sixers, know. Eagles, Flyers, all day long. And the Union, if <laughs> Any you Any mascots like we should know about? Just before yeah, we Gritty. Okay. Gritty? You know Gritty? That guy. Franklin that the dog? <laughs> the Philly fanatic, the greatest mascot in sports history, now followed by Gritty. Yeah, find somebody better. And don't you dare come in with the San Diego chicken. That thing has already <laughs> been turned into wings at Hooters that are way too breaded. Um, but at that at that show, I was a huge fan of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who is notable for only being a good guy for all of his career. And he wrestled against Randy Macho Man Savage, who was an up-and-coming star and had held the Intercontinental title for a very long time. The storyline being, at one point, the the Macho Man had taken the ring bell and jumped off of the top rope and, and come down on Ricky Steamboat's throat, taking him out of action for several months. He returned. This is their match against each other. It is it is widely regarded as one of the greatest matches of all time. And I think even even if you only watched a little bit of the package beforehand, they tell such a good story in the ring that by the time it's over, you're you're emotionally exhausted by it. And it's and it's highly satisfying. Yeah. True. And oh, those, are so re- those are my those are my That's a good pull. Yeah, good yeah. Pull. Um so mine I was thinking about it and since Danielle has covered women's wrestling so very, very well. Um, I was trying to think, is where's a good way to get a taster of a bunch of stuff? So I would say if you have an afternoon, a rainy Sunday afternoon, if you will, uh, and you don't want to just sit staring out of your window like listening to Carol King's Tapestry or something and you want to watch some wrestling, uh, I would say stick on WrestleMania 30. And it's like such a, it's relatively recent in that like a bunch of those people are still in the industry, whether they're with WWE or AEW, wherever they may be. And you're going to get a really nice selection box of storylines and matches and different kinds of matches. It basically makes you feel all of the feelings um, as long as you weren't looking for a ton of women's stuff. (laughs) <laughs> which, in which case go watch evolution and just like have yourself a lovely time but i do think wrestlemania 30 is a really nice intro to wrestling as of, of what it is right now because uh, you got your daniel bryan storyline you got your undertaker losing storyline you got a bunch of good stuff you got the wyatt family being peak wyatt family um so i think that's a really nice place to like have yourself a good old afternoon with some snacks and some mm. drinks, uh, some uh, your wrestle sandwich, which is also a really important part of the show. Uh, what sandwich <laughs> you watch while watching wrestling? You, that will become mm. or, or, tin, or tinned fish. Mm. I mean, it's up to you. How? What sandwich? Oh, you take seedless can you, rye can bread. Can you tell us? If, yeah, seedless rye bread. Sandwich. You put some uh, put some turkey breast on there. Then you put some ham on there. You put some roast beef on there. You put some corned beef on there. Put some tomatoes on there. Then you, you take put the other piece drink, of bread on. You sing the songs that remind you of the good times. You sing the songs that remind you of the bad times. Oh, damn No, no, no. I won't allow it. Stop it. Don't ruin this for the people at home. Sorry. Some people are driving, Hal. Anyway. Some people are driving. Simple sandwich. Simple sandwich. Then you have you have your pickles on the side. Your, your kosher dills, like proper, like garlicky dills. 
Don't give like Clausen so has to be Clausen. Then then you have either your nacho cheese Doritos or your Lay's slash Ruffles, one of those chips, and then you get a big cup of red cheek apple juice or now natural apple juice. You can get a great honey crisp organic apple juice at Trader Joe's. That's good. Or the unfil any unfiltered apple juice. It can't look like urine. If it looks like urine, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. And then you enjoy that meal. But the sandwich has to look like it was put together by Dagwood. That's the noted. If it's not a Dagwood Bumstead sandwich, I don't want it. The next time yeah. we meet in person, I demand you the sandwich. You want that sandwich. You want okay. It. I um, demand it. Oh, the only so other good. option I wanted to throw out there is just something completely left field. Not completely left field, but just something very different that's shorter and just a very different take on it would be our friend of the pod, uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf, his mm. explainer on the Golden Lovers saga, mm. which I think if you're listening to this and saying... But where's the slightly hobo-erotic Japanese-slash-Canadian wrestling storyline I've been looking for all my life? And I will say, it is there. Uh, it mm -hmm. is the Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Golden Lovers saga, a storyline that played out over 10 years, continues. Kenny was teasing us with it this week. Kenny Omega, who is the current AEW champion, uh, posted a throwback photo of him and Kota this week and was like, just a throwback photo for you guys. And obviously we all went crazy. Because no. we all love it so much. Um, but I love that storyline. I love that story because it is actually chock full of amazing wrestling. And it is about two guys who super respect each other and like sort each other out because of their talent. Uh, traveled across the world to wrestle against each other and then ultimately wrestle with each other. And then be each other's redemption. It's really beautiful. It's really great. I don't think anyone tells it as well as John. Apart from Danielle when she did a recap on this episode, on the show. Which was when I fell in love with Danielle. When she described Kota walking across the ring and refusing to take no for an answer with Kenny when he came to defend Kenny. And your exact words were, oh no, not my baby. And I will never forget it. I wish that was my ringtone. Uh, because it makes me so happy. Because that was so genuinely the emotion of that moment. That Kota was absolutely not allowed was not going to allow this man to walk out of his life a man who has meant too much to him uh and it's actually really beautiful and really pure oh, and... i'm probably gonna watch this on my week off yep yep <laughs> uh and i'm gonna talk a little bit more about kota Ibushi at the end of the episode but the whole explainer from super eye patch wolf is a fantastic way into that storyline elven prince <sighs> the elven prince now, we asked for recommendations from the Nation of Conversation as well, and some of our friends on Facebook, like Jordy, Justin, and Jesse, all suggested a great way to get into wrestling, that is to go out to the live shows, especially mm -hmm. if there's an independent promotion in your town that you can go to see for cheap, because there's nothing like live wrestling, getting to see it, especially those shows that are not televised, so they're doing everything for the crowd, which is how wrestling started. They were playing to an audience and it just happened to be filmed a lot of the early even wwf shows were shows in madison square garden or the philadelphia mm -hmm. spectrum because that was the that was the territory that they worked in or the nassau coliseum those are their three big big arena shows and they would show you just matches that were televised they weren't even playing to to cameras the way that they do now so going to see it live is is a great way to see if it's see what parts of it are for you we also have Siobhan, who said that they loved seeing when wrestling and celebrities mixed, and it turned out well. Favorite examples of that? I will say this until the end of time. There is literally no reason why Cyndi Lauper is not in the Celebrity Hall of Fame. 
Correct. It is ridiculous. It is stupid. Cindy Lauper is so much a part of why wrestling took off in the 80s mm-hmm. and was such an advocate for wrestling. And I always thought that maybe she said no, but someone asked her about it a couple of years ago and she was like, I've never been asked. And I'm like, you, y'all are nuts. <laughs> Yes. I wonder who she upset. I mean, I don't have to wonder, right? Like, if there's only one person that could be keeping her out. Um, I mean, obviously, Wild. I would say I would say Muppets, Muppets yes. on wrestling always. Uh, yeah. And this is going to be controversial, but I I saw it and I couldn't believe how good it was. I'm going to say go watch the Snooky match because yeah, if you want to see yeah, how wrestling good. takes a pop culture character of the moment and makes it work. And yep. makes you go, oh my god, she's so good. Uh, and, and then also, I would watch the Stephen Amell. Uh, that match. was my suggestion. Oh, okay, that yeah, because that's amazing yeah. wrestling. Snooki was surprisingly great, uh, and it actually is a fun pop because you feel like, oh my god, she's actually really good. This is so cool, uh, and that's enough. But the Stephen Amell match is you actually get to see a wrestler put himself, a, a celebrity put himself through it, uh, awesome. and nearly kill himself to give us a good match. Yep. Bad baby or bad, bad, bunny? bad bunny? Bad bunny, bad bunny, so yeah. fucking good. And that's like a more recent match and a more recent like celebrity. Bad yeah. bunny was like, I love wrestling. I'm gonna learn how to do some of this stuff. He was like doing topes. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, he was like, great. jumping off the top rope. Um, and, and hey, as as the producer, sometimes has to sound off. Sometimes I knew that that match worked when my mom like was watching, saw me watch Raw one day. And she was like, Bad Bunny? What's he doing wrestling? I was like, oh my God. But that's why they do it, right? Because your mom then comes in and sits down and suddenly she's watching it. And then she's telling her friend that she saw Bad Bunny on Raw. And then next week she's like walking through the room again and it's on. And suddenly she's sitting down watching it. And then suddenly she's pulled into this other storyline. And suddenly you care. And you are a wrestling fan, Julian's mom. Embrace it. (laughs) It's happened. And then she'll leave leave my dad for Roman Reigns one day. Well, I mean, what happens happens, and you would who's mom wouldn't wouldn't. call him daddy. So I think it's fine. I think (laughs) it's fine. Acknowledge him as your stepdad (laughs) on Father's Day. Uh, Matthew suggested that it's important to try out a bunch of different wrestling so that you know what's for you. So that goes beyond WWE and Mm AEW and Impact, which are the main wrestling promotions here in North America that are on television. There are a lot of indie promotions that cater to more marginalized people yep. until they're given the spotlight they deserve on larger stages. Uh, can each of you give a good example of of a promotion that is worth checking out? So, I mean, it's maybe not for right now because things are, are different and the SoCal scene is, is in transition, I would say. It's in a fallow period. Uh, we're clearing out some trash. But for, as I mentioned, the first time I took my now husband to a wrestling event, it was SummerSlam and the Brock Lesnar, John Cena and SummerSlam in 2015. And he just was totally turned off by it. He was not into that at all. And then I took him to PWG, which is mm. a very tiny indie promotion out in Reseda. I say tiny, like physically tiny, but like in the industry, it is huge. huge. But it was out in a VA hall in Reseda. Basically, everyone who's on TV now was in that promotion. And he was just fully embraced it from being there live and seeing the craziness and seeing PWG was just historically very colorful, very bright, very, very fun. There was never any unpleasantness, she says. There were unpleasant characters, it turns out. But Mm. the show was always fun. It wasn't ever mean-spirited. It was like going to a party. It was like going to a wrestling party with your friends. We went a bunch in that time period in 2015, I was like 2014, and just had the best time. 
that really opened his eyes to what else was out there. And mine too, because I had very much been a WWE girl my whole life. Uh, and now I'm like, go see whatever I can see, because there's so much good stuff to see. You can see David Arquette. You can see a man dressed as a peanut. There's a ton of stuff <laughs> if you go to the indie shows. There's a ton of stuff. There's so much good stuff. So there's Effie's Big Gay Brunch, um, which is a huge, like, F, like uh, a huge as in, like, it's, for me, I feel like it's really big in the queer-ass community. Um, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, where it, it's just a bunch of queer-ass fucking wrestlers um, doing their thing and, and making it work. I'm also going to put over Billy... You know, Billy Business, which is funny because there's another Billy Business in my life. I have two Billy Businesses. So he does a thing called Paris's Bumping, which is this combination of drag show and wrestling and all of these like great queer things yeah, just like melted into there, one ballroom like everything and you can find them even if you can't go watch them you can find them i believe both of them are on like a, a lot of the indie stuff that you want to see which is so great now because it used to have to be that you had to be in that town to watch it is on iwtv and so you can watch a lot of these pay-per-views and a lot of this stuff streaming on iwtv mm-hmm. i highly recommend anytime there is paris's bumping or Effie's Big Gay Brunch or For the Culture, which is like a show specifically centered on Black wrestling. Go check that out because that is some of the most exciting stuff you will see. And a lot of them, like Effie's like, I don't want to go to TV or to a main roster or to any of that stuff. I want to do this because this lets me be who I am and I don't have to compromise and I'm making enough money and I'm just fine. I would throw Enjoy Wrestling in there as well. I think that that sits with Mm, those guys mm -hmm. and that's really easy to find because it's um, on YouTube and it's just called Enjoy Wrestling. And that's where you Mm. can see Effie is there too and MV Young uh billy dixon all those guys so check it out it's really fun and so easy to to watch another easy thing to find every single week is our show tights and fights and you can meet (laughs) other like-minded people in the tights and fights group on facebook and on twitter and instagram when we come back we're each going to talk about a personal highlight that we enjoyed from wrestling that's coming up on tights and fights A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast, and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. For our new listeners, every week we love to showcase some of the things in wrestling that brought us joy recently in a segment that we call The Three Count. Danielle, what would you like to put over or promote, as we say, in the non-wrestling world? This is going to be a little bit of an explainer. I love black wrestle twitter i think it is the most lit part of wrestle twitter ever i think it is so much fun and so the big thing that everyone has been talking about <laughs> a wrestler 
who used to be a part of like the NFL and like um named Top Dollar made a funny, fun, fun joke about how like, well, now people who are suddenly making money, I'm paraphrasing, people are on Twitter, people who are suddenly making money are now wearing top sneakers on TV, but like in their lives, they were Vans or whatever. It was just like a silly, silly jokety joke. And everyone got really cranky about it and was like, he's making fun of the young bucks. I mean, he was, but <laughs> but everyone got really cranky. And so the young bucks, because like they look, we all have our feelings about young bucks, whatever. But I think that they were just like taking a joke. They changed their bio to, we spent more on sneakers in, in we spend more on sneakers in three months or something like that than the NXT roster does all year or something like that or than the NXT roster makes. They're heels. That's what they do. But everyone got super cranky about it and it was so weird. I'm putting him over Top Dollar just for like, no one was talking about you. And then everyone, was talking about you. Put him and putting was, him over for stirring the pot. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. And it was so weird to watch like all of these people be like, you don't get to make fun WWE, AEW. Because it's like this weird, stupid, like uh thing where like fans of both are like yelling at each other because they're trying to recreate like the Monday Night War. I expect like, him so to be SmackDown champion within two weeks now. Yeah. Like <laughs> for, Top Dollar just made <laughs> his career. For those of you who are new to wrestling, uh, Top Dollar is part of a of a faction called Hit Row, which is really, really fun. Yeah. They're really, really fun to watch and they're all very good on the microphone. Just promoted which is up rare. to the main roster. So And he's just being yes. funny. It was a funny jokey joke. And then everyone got so mad. Welcome to wrestling, if you haven't listened to us before. Yeah. Uh, people get mad. <laughs> this is the only really? place where people won't get mad at you. Stay with us. <laughs> like, so, yeah, sit with us. You can sit with us. <laughs> you can sit with us. Exactly. Like uh, 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 we do wear pink, but you can wear whatever That's color right. you would like. Not on Wednesdays. Not on Wednesdays. <laughs> and we will call you a whore. Um, <laughs> but lovingly. In a charming but yeah, way. So I have yeah. to put that over because it was like just so silly and so stupid. And everyone had like these hot takes. It's like, it's not that serious, y'all. I've never once noticed stupid. or cared what the Young Bucks were wearing on their feet. That's hilarious to me. I, I think it. it's like a bunch of sneaker heads. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I follow. I, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> It's not sure. not everything's for Uncle Hal. Lindsay? <laughs> um, speaking of Uncle Hal, actually, it's nothing to do with Uncle Hal. Um, I, I'm going to put over the G1 again. Um, that, that doesn't... What does that have to do with me? I mean, it's speaking of Uncle Hal, this is for Uncle Hal. I'm going to update you oh. on the G1. Oh, thank uh, you. Two weeks in a row I'm putting over the G1, but two weeks in a row it's been the main thing I've watched and it's been the thing that's brought me joy. Uh, we're getting right to the end now. There are only three shows left, so if you were going to dip into New Japan Pro Wrestling. Every year they do a tournament called the G1, which is notoriously torturous. Uh, it is a crazy schedule. You get some of the best talent in the world. They split it into two blocks. Everyone wrestles each other. You get points uh, for your wins and losses. And then the winner of the A block fights the winner of the B block in the final, which is on October 21st. Mm. Um, and then the winner of that match gets a championship match at Wrestle Kingdom, which is New Japan's WrestleMania, and that's in January. So it's a huge deal. Every year it's absolutely massive. And you could watch Kenta versus Tamatonga. That was a really fun match. Mm. Tamatonga has had an amazing, amazing uh, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Wrestle Kingdom G1. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Toru Yanu is a really good fun match. Toru Yano is a 
historically comedy wrestler, but he's really, really fun. So that was really good because you get to see him playing games with Zack Sabre Jr., who is a very straight-laced technical wrestler. So when you see him forced into a comedy match, it's very funny. He makes a great straight man. And then Night 16, I really enjoyed the Jeff Cobb versus Evil match and the Tamatonga Okada match, which was a big deal. You should definitely check that one out because that that played a huge part in where we're at now. But yeah, G1's been really, really great. This sort of latter, the back end of it has been really fantastic. So if you want to check out New Japan, if you're new to wrestling, uh, you can just go to njpw.com or njpwworld.com and you can sign up. Everything's in English. Uh, so it's much easier than it used to be. And you can subscribe for 999 yen a month, which is a joke that's no longer relevant because the WWE <laughs> Network used to be $9.99 a month. And now it's just part of Peacock. But uh, when New Japan launched their subscription service, they made it $9.99 yen, which is kind of hilarious. It works out about 8 bucks a month. Uh, and I, for one, am happy to send my $8 a month in their direction because they're really, really, really good. Um, and go, go, Elven Prince. That's all I have to say. One of the things that we love on this show is is love. We love our real-life wrestling couples. We like to imagine couples that maybe don't actually exist. But one couple that we know exists for sure are married professional wrestlers Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Both are part of the NXT 2.0 brand. Uh, Candice is currently not appearing on camera much because she is with child. They are expecting their very first child. It's very exciting. Uh, and I'm not normally a person who goes in for advertising, but as part of WWE's partnership with Cricket Wireless, they have a series called What the Hell's on Your Cell, where they have couples try to answer questions about their phone use and what's on their phone and talk about each other. And the two of them appeared uh, in that series. They have an 11-minute video on YouTube. It is priceless. I love every second of it. I wish it was longer. Here's a little clip of of what should be America's favorite couple. Boom, doubled up. I have our first picture we took together, but I also have the first picture of us being photographed together at a show in California. If we were gonna do this, then I would go so far as to say that this is our first picture together because this is our first picture officially married as husband and wife. What does that mean? You mean our life doesn't matter before then? Do you have any wedding pictures? Well, according to you, according to you, it doesn't that our anniversaries that does it for this episode of tights and fights this week your hosts were Lindsay kelk and daniel radford along with me hal lublin you can follow me on social media at hal lublin and listen to me not only on my other maximum fud podcast we got this with mark and hal but as a litigant on the latest episode of judge john hodgman check that out i'm all over max fun Danielle? I'm one of the writers for Honest Trailers, so go check those out because um, that's how I stay employed. Also, if you like the RPG stuff, I recently did a um, Dimension 20 uh, TTP RPG called Misfits and Magic, which was really fun. I had a really great time, so go check that out. I have a comic book based on the TV show Agretzko. Agretzko Meet Her World 3, so if you want to do that, uh, check that out, and that's it for me. Lindsay? Yeah, I write books. I got books. So please read them. Uh, I have a children's series called Cinders and Sparks. The second one just came out here in the US. uh, And it's on audiobook and regular books. So you can 
buy that or borrow that from wherever you buy or borrow books or listen to. And my next novel, my adult novel, oh, it sounds sexier than it is. It's a rom-com. I write rom-coms. That's my main job. It's coming out in the UK in November, the US in January, Australia in December, I think. But I'm going on tour. I'm going to be going on tour in the UK in November. So I will be in Sheffield, Birmingham, London, Glasgow, York, and Liverpool. And if you go to at Lindsay Kelk on whatever social media you need to go to, uh, you can find all the details. But you can come see me and we can talk about wrestling. And um, hopefully you'll buy a book, otherwise it's weird. But like, you know, it'll be fun. Uh, please come see me because I am very, very, very excited. I haven't been home for two years, so it's a big deal. Very excited. Our producer Julian Burrell is glad San Francisco is sad this weekend. Oof. Wow. That's a, bad Dark. luck. Bad luck, Julian. Senior producer. There goes the San Francisco listeners yeah. that just tuned in for Bay this. Area tuned out. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. We'll be back next week for even more. You guessed it. Wrestling. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites. So if you leave it in, leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. I really thought you were going for a la 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 little bit of Lexus, and I remembered this is not. <laughs> it's that not show. that show. <laughs> like, <laughs> my poor That's friend. our hitch squeak show. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.